your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 369 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Well, it's of my understanding that NHL players left, right, and center are going to rockauto.com because everybody is on the move. It was a busy day one of free agency, but it wasn't only the players without contracts on the moves. We had a few big trades. The Sens were a part of it. We'll let you know exactly what the on-ice moves and off-ice with DJ Smith earning an extension, what that means to this group going forward. We also have a ton of news to get to league-wide, including the Senators' greatest goalie of all time coming back for one more year, and he's chasing a milestone at that. So we've got a ton to get to. Let's hit it. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, July 29th in Pilsy, almost 24 hours after free agency started and my head is spinning trying to figure out who is where and there's just so many moves to keep up with. This was a wild day of free agency frenzy. Like I'm on cap friendly right now, Ross. Here are some of the stats. 161 signings, 294 total contract years, and $783 million handed out in contracts. Like, that is wild. And I know it's it's the classic saying, but sometimes, especially on the first day of free agency, it's about the moves you don't make rather than the moves you do. Because there was a couple contracts, and we could get into them, about that other team signed that were absolute head scratchers, why they gave them so much money, so much term, and what's the fit with this team. So... I'm glad, although I'm I'm not overly excited or over the moon about any of the on-ice moves the Sens made, I'm glad they didn't make any major mistakes. Before we get to those on-ice moves, let's start with the first news that dropped, and I think the biggest of the day. DJ Smith going into the final year of his three-year contract as Senators head coach has been extended two years plus a team option for a third. Reports are that DJ Smith's contract will pay him $1.25 million per season. So he's on the lower end of highest paid coaches, but that doesn't change the fact that this adds so much stability to the franchise. Yeah, I would agree that this is the most important move they've made so far because what they're trying to do is instill the culture that DJ Smith brings. And we like how these players perform for DJ Smith. He plays, he gets them playing competitive hard efforts every night they play with pace they play physical and that's the type of team they're building like Tyler Boucher embodies that I would say perfectly what they're trying to do here so to have some stability and some security for their head coach really shows that 
they're buying into what they're setting up. You know what I mean? Like, they're not just like, okay, like we tried at the playing with pace, playing physical. It didn't work. Sorry, DJ. We're going to bring someone else in. The, the important thing is the senators have switched coaches so many times in the recent history that finally they should, if DJ plays or coaches out his contract, they should have a guy here for a long time that can really help set the culture and move this team in the right direction. I love this deal. I'm a big DJ Smith fan, so this looks great for everyone, I'd say. Pillsy, he's their 14th head coach in franchise history, and the team's 29 years old. When you couple that with the fact that Jacques Martin was behind the bench for eight of those seasons, that means 13 head coaches in 20 years. So the stability is absolutely crucial for this franchise going forward and as you mentioned he embodies the way this team should and will play when they have success and that's a hard-nosed physical style with the hard forecheck and a man always supporting on the defensive side of the puck as well in the offensive zone so I love the style of play that DJ Smith has brought to this team but I would say more so just the swagger that he brings he's got this air about him where He's just a a presence behind the bench. So I think if you ask any player who's played under DJ Smith, especially those who are with the regime before the Guy Boucher, the Mark Crawford and all that, they'll tell you that they go through a wall for DJ. Yeah. And I think that's apparent. And and what I like about uh, what Dorian said uh, when he announced the extension is he said, now the young players have developed and now it's the time to take the next step. And he knows that. And I love that quote because it's in, and that was in Ian Mendez athletic article. Got to give credit there. But I love that quote because I said a little while ago that DJ Smith was a perfect guy to develop these players, but maybe when they're ready to contend, the Sens will look for more of an X's and O's guy. So this is Dorian saying, we know he's great at developing, developing players. The proof is in the pudding. Like we saw how they looked at the end of last season. But now it's not about developing so much as it is continuing to grow these guys and keep them at an NHL level, not just bringing them from their draft years or the AHL to the NHL. The crop of the core is already in the NHL. Now, what can you do to elevate their games even further? And that's the challenge Dorian's put on DJ Smith. And I think DJ Smith deserves the right to have that opportunity to take that challenge. So this is all looking like everything's going according to plan. They're sticking to their rebuild plan. And I love the way it's turning out. The rebuild isn't over by any stretch, though. And you saw that with the move that was made yesterday as we turn into our attention to the on-ice moves. And Evgeny Dadnov, with two years left on his contract, paying an annual average of $5 million. Hell, the one season the Sens got him for was at 3.5. So from disappointment to bargain, sort of, when you get rid of the final two years of that contract. But Ottawa acquires a third-round pick. And what's of note about that third-round pick is it's coming from Vegas, but it's Vancouver's pick. And I think it's very likely that Vancouver's pick will be a little bit higher than uh, where Vegas is. Also coming back in that deal is Nick Holden, a 34-year-old left-shot defenseman. You might say, oh my God, another big old defenseman. Is this just Erica Branson, Braden Coburn 2.0? Well, at Theodore Tooth, the Vegas Golden Knights fan account, they retweeted, they replied to our tweet saying, he's surprisingly good offensively and was great for Vegas these last playoffs. Solid in his own end. By all accounts, a great guy to have in the locker room. He was chairman of the Golden Knights, quote, fun committee 
in the bubble when everyone was in quarantine there should be great for the young guys in the locker room. So I think that you're going to get a bit of a better player on the ice, but that same intangible off the ice, not to mention 1.7 million versus 5 million. And you add the draft pick. I think this was a tidy bit of business from Pierre Dorian. Yeah. I, I mean, it is a good move, but I think I'm a little more lukewarm about this deal than the rest of sense fans, because in my eyes, like you said, the rebuild isn't over, but the rebuild is supposed to be over. And trading away veteran goal-scoring wingers, yes, I understand Evgeny Dadanov didn't exactly fit in the sense and he had a down year, but trading away a guy who he was still on pace for, if it was an 82-game season, he would have scored 20 goals. And I think he could have really had a bounce-back year and you could have traded him at the deadline for some better value and seen how it played out. Trading away that type of player for a third round pick and an aging left shot defenseman doesn't exactly move the needle in the right direction for me. Like it kind of seems like it's a two step forward, one step back kind of idea. It's great that they got rid of Dadnoff's contract without having to retain any salary, but I, I really thought there was a chance for him to have a bounce back year. And the, the return doesn't really, it doesn't help you replace what you traded away. So in my mind, there's got to be another move coming here because they've cleared that cap space and there's still that right wing spot that's open there. Now, everyone's saying Igor Sokolov is going to take that spot and don't get me twisted. I would love for that to happen, but I don't think he's ready for that to happen. And I don't think that's the right move right now is to get Sokolov there. So I think another year of the in the AHL for Sokolov will definitely do him good, especially that was a weird year. He didn't have a lot of help around him. So I'd like to see what he can do with one more year of development. So I, I, I'm happy for Nick Holden because he's a left shot guy that can play the left and the right side, which yeah, I'm sure important. D, yeah, DJ will definitely help out. But also this really gives me, uh, and you mentioned the Gabranson comparison, Remember how high we were on Gabranson from hearing what Ducks fans had to say about him? And yeah, uh, did not turn out even remotely close to what we were told he was going to be. So the, this move for me, it, it's about getting rid of Dadnow's contract without retaining any salary. I'm not overly excited about Nick Holden. And the third round draft pick kind of sends the wrong message that we're acquiring more draft picks rather than NHL roster guys. So I want to see what happens next before I really kind of give give my thoughts and emotions into this trade. For the skeptics, yourself included, Pierre Dorian did say those cap savings from the $11.5 million they were owing Dadanov to the $1.7 now for Nick Holden will be reinvested into the payroll. So you're right, a big move to come. We'll ponder what that move could be towards the end of the show, but... Like, Branson had been a flawed player for his entire career, pretty much, going back to after he was third overall pick and then Vancouver and whatnot. Whereas Nick Holden, it was just a slow and steady rise uh, up to, uh, to make it to the NHL, played a few years in the minors, and then had a couple offensive seasons. Hell, this guy's hit 10 goals twice in his NHL career. He, uh, he, he peaked in 2016-17 with the New York Rangers. Does that sound familiar? Yes, Pilsy. He was in that series against the Ottawa Senators, round two, New York, Ottawa. And obviously they were on the wrong end of that. So I'm sure Nick Holden has some memories about what the CTC can be 
in a playoff game. Hell, he saw the Pajot four-goal game up close and personal. But no, I just think that he, he brings a different element on the back end. And the fact that you mentioned he's versatile enough to play left and right D, I think is only going to benefit them. And that wasn't the only move they did to shore up the depth on the blue line. I was a little surprised at the AAV of this next deal. But when they dipped into the free agent market, this had been rumored. We talked about it on yesterday's show, Michael Del Zotto. And before you say, yuck, I mean, the guy who was brutal on the Flyers back four or five years ago, he's bounced around pretty much all over the place since then. But he's steadied his game the last two years. Now, they've both been in half seasons. Now, he played 53 of the 56 games with Columbus this past year and was pretty solid. I mean, 13 points, five plus five, playing almost 18 minutes a game. But if you listen to him on TSN after the trade, he had five offers on the table, Pilsy. He wrote a list of pros and cons, and it came down to Ottawa being the best choice because he sees himself as that veteran type who's going to be good in the locker room. And he's played 200 more games than Nick Holden and almost 400 more games than any other Ottawa Senator. Yeah, that's we were going through that this morning. That's absolutely wild. He's 31. Like, <laughs> like you'd expect that for like a 34, 35 year old, but for Del Zotto to have that much experience coming in and playing a full year in the NHL at 19, finished eighth in Calder voting, had 37 points with the Rangers way back when. So we mentioned Nick Holden was in the 2017 series, sends Rangers. Del Zotto was in the 2012 series sends Rangers. So this is a guy who's been around the National Hockey League for a long time. He had some downs in his career, most notably in Philadelphia. But since taking a step back, he's been a solid contributor these last two years. So I think for him, Pilsy, he's more of a guy, and I should finish off by mentioning, it's a two-year, $4 million contract, $2 million AAV, 1.75 in year one, 2.25 in year two. But this, to me, is a guy who can come in and out of the lineup as as it is dictated throughout the season. Yeah, and I think that was kind of the plan with him. Like Dorian's quote was, uh, defensemen go down so often. And Exactly. If you're the Ottawa Senators. You know that. <laughs> no one knows that like you know that. So definitely I can see it's kind of an insurance blanket there. And, you know, is it a great move? No. Is it a bad move? No. So, like, this is fine. You need to fill out your roster with veteran guys. We know this is what the Sens do. They grab guys uh, who are kind of older and uh, are going to help out on the back end with some veteran experience. So Michael Del Zotto brings that. And he, he's not a bad player. Like you said, he's got some decent points. And he's still, he's 30. So it's not like he's like over the hump or anything. Like he's That's right. what I'm saying. He's a year older than me. So watch your mouth when you're saying that you get the older players. Well, I've been more experienced. That's where I was getting at. Hey, as, as he has lots of NHL games compared to the rest of this lineup. So for, for me, the Michael Delzato move is, is decent. And I think it makes sense for him because he's going to have a good chance to play here. He's going to have a chance to have a role as a locker room guy. So it, I, I don't hate this move, but I'm not about to write home about it and say this is what pushes the no. Sens into playoff contention. Delzato working his way to the Mike Sillinger Award for largest suitcase in the NHL. Ottawa will be the eighth team that he's played for joining the Rangers, Philadelphia, Vancouver, Anaheim twice, Nashville, St. Louis, and most recently Columbus. So we'll see how this shakes out. But Pilsy, I think the biggest question is how does this impact Victor Mete and Eric 
Branch, and we'll get to that after we tell you about our friends at Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Like that's before their time. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. You'll find everything there from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. You can even get your new carpet there. And whether it's your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly. See all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Let's hit on that last note a little bit longer because the price at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Don't do it. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Do it. Right locked on. In their how did you hear about us box? That way, they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them, Locked On sent you. All right, Pilsy, before we touch on the league news, what's next for the Senators with $32 million in cap space and only a handful of RFAs to sign and Tyler Boucher? Back in action at the World Junior Summer Showcase, as was Levi Marilinen and Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevin. We got to answer the most crucial, most pressing question with this Ottawa Senators team because we saw them go 10 3 and 1 after the trade deadline. And for almost all of it, the left side consisted of Shabbat, Brandstrom, Mete with a little bit of Ole Alsing sprinkled in there as well when Shabbat went down for injury. But with Holden and Del Zotto, two left-handed defensemen now, with the caveat they can both play the right side if needed. And Branstrom's probably jumping up with his hand saying, I can play the right side as well. But how do you think this shakes out? And could RFA Victor Mete be on the move just based on numbers? Yeah, I can definitely see Branstrom jumping up, also being like, look how tall I am, DJ. Look, I'm six feet. Oh, yeah, meanwhile, little... Nick Holden's 6'4", just beside him. <laughs> yeah, so this this definitely shakes things up in the decor. And I think if you're Victor Mete, this is a tough blow to you because you thought you got picked up on waivers. You're, you're close by from Montreal to Ottawa, not a far move. And you, you have a chance to really make a case to stay in this top six for the decor. And... Now it's not really looking like that. And you, I really don't think DJ Smith has any interest in having a decor that includes Eric Branstrom and Victor Mete. I think they're making that clear with the way they drafted and with the players they just picked up, right? So I think Victor Mete will probably get a one-year uh, deal done, whether it's arbitration or just a low-cost, low-risk deal by the Sens. And and then maybe traded later, maybe just you hold on to him because like Dorian said, defensemen go down easy. So I think Victor Mete's time here is going to be very, very short, which is unfortunate. I thought that was a great pickup. It was a nice player, but you can't have two guys in Branstrom and Mete playing this style of hockey. And I think that's just clear. And we're going to see something give here. Now, a lot of people are speculating maybe it's a Branstrom deal and there's going to be a massive, massive blockbuster trade coming up. 
I don't think so. I would be shocked if Dorian gave up on, remember, he said the proudest day of his GM career. He did apologize for that. But still, he was very, very high on Branstrom. Trading Mark Stone for him essentially basically was the deal. So, Yo, no disrespect to Igor Sokolov, the second round pick. Yeah, well, he, did, he didn't know that was part of uh, <laughs> Igor Sokolov's part of the deal. But essentially at the time, it was Branstrom for Mark Stone with assets. So for him to give up on Branstrom this quickly would shock me. So I really don't think Branstrom's the guy on the move. I don't know why you just made me go into a, a little rabbit hole of Oscar Lindbergh thoughts and his highlight oh, no. reel in Ottawa went through my head it, just as quick as he came through Ottawa in, in a flash. But you're right. You can't give up on Branson right now. He showed so much promise as well at the NHL level, and he's still on his entry level for another year. Like, what's the rush to move he's on? The franchise. From? He's the franchise. Dak may be gone, but that nickname will live forever. The franchise. Indeed. And he's found a home next to Artem Zub. I just think it would be such a weird time to cut ties unless you are looking at a Jack Eichel. I don't even know who else I would have Branstrom on the table for. But to me, that would be like the, okay, I'm Pierre Dorian going into the final year of my contract. There is a team option for the one after. But how rare is it that a GM isn't extended before the head coach? So from that standpoint, and the MO from the owner, no question, is this is a team that needs to compete for the playoffs now. Three years finishing near the bottom of the standings. The GM has to make a move here that makes the team better today. And that's where I think you might get into a situation where they regret it down the road. But I don't see a situation where Pierre Dorian stands still the rest of this offseason. They, they are going to add a center. I just don't know who it is. And we tried guessing who the 10th overall pick would be. So excuse me if I don't feel confident in predicting anything that this Sens team is going to do. Ross, we don't even have to go back that far. Our podcast that we sent out yesterday was outdated the second we posted. You, you said they were going to sign uh, Ethan Zach Bear. Zadorov. No, oh, Zadorov. Yeah. And I said Goligoski, and that didn't happen. And then we, we talked about... Uh, Michael Delzato possibly coming to the Sens. And we're like, ah, no, I don't think that's going to happen. That's what <laughs> happens. So, def- and then I said Evgeny Dadanov was going to have a bounce back year and be a key reason why this team gets back back into the swing of things. Uh, yeah, no dice on that either. So we, we've definitely been wrong before and we don't mind admitting it because it's, it's very obvious. So w- where I think it's interesting with Pierre Dorian, we're talking about extension, is in Ian Mendes' article, he mentions that there is a team option to extend Dorian for, for the 2022-2023 season. And Eugene Melnick might just be waiting because if there's one thing Dorian did an excellent job of, it's, I think, drafting and developing. He's a scout at, at heart, right? Like, that's what he's good at. That's what he's able to identify. Where Dorian struggles, and maybe Pierre Maguire coming in will help this, but is the pro deals, right? Like, last offseason was garbage. Brutal. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how else to describe it. Like You can you, just say it in two words. Michael Haley. <laughs> Like he wasn't no Michael Haley was fine. That's I'm not I don't have any problem with that. It's trading a second round pick for Derek Stepan, expecting him to bounce back here. Too bad that curve on his stick didn't change things enough for us. Hey, Ross, we were sold. And then good Branson did not work out. Cedric Paquette and Braden Coburn were, but they they were they were cap dumps. You got a second rounder for them. 
Absolutely. Yeah, sure. But still, that's... And Clark Bishop. Let's go. Yeah, so those didn't work out well. Austin Watson, I think, was a great move we can all agree on. And then Matt Murray, the the book is still on him. I don't think you can judge that quite yet. But And that's less the move and more the contract. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, like, with the pro deals, Dorian has struggled. I think that's that's very clear. So we're, we're going to have to see how that changes. And I think that's something Melnick's waiting to see because... He, he's done a perfect job of tearing it down and rebuilding, but anyone can do that. No offense. Like you, you could easily just take all your star players, get assets, and then have a bunch of picks and prospects ready to go. How is that all going to turn out? And how are you going to complement those players is what Dorian needs to work on. So I think with the addition of Pierre Maguire, again, we can't really judge how much impact he's having, but that's an experienced, well-knowledge guy who's going to help with the pro game. He knows all these players inside and out. So that should help. And we'll see if that helps Dorian get an extension here. Because I, I think, again, he deserves the right to have the opportunity to take this team to the next level along with DJ Smith. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, Dorian did make one more move yesterday, a minor league deal, but a very good one at that, in my opinion. Andrew Agazino is uh, a two-way contract. He's a former captain in the OHL, and he's worn an A at four different stops in the American Hockey League. This guy is your classic, to use a baseball term, quadruple A player. Like, he's elite in triple A but not quite a major leaguer, you know, like, so he put up 27 points in 31 games this past year with the San Diego goals had one assist in three games with the Anaheim ducks. He's had NHL games with the Colorado avalanche with the Pittsburgh penguins and the ducks, but never very often. He's only played 46 NHL games, whereas he's played 535 AHL games and get this Pilsy. He's got 412 points. So this is a guy who, I think is a step up from a guy like Michael Carcone, a step up from other guys they brought in to play that AHL scorer role. This guy is the real deal. He's going to be a top line AHLer, no question. And that sends a message to Troy Mann saying like, yeah, you have to develop the prospects, but I want to give you pieces that you can win with. So we're still waiting for that big defenseman, the replacement for Hubert Labrie. But in Belleville's case, Augustino is a very good start to their offseason. Yeah, this was one of my favorite deals of the day, which is hilarious because it's an AHL deal, like you said. But yeah, he's the perfect fringe guy. And the the thing about this too is he understands his role. I think with the fringe players, it can be tough because they're like, well, I'm putting up a point per game pace at the AHL. Like, can I get a couple sniffs at the NHL? And it's just not in the cards. And a guy like Andrew Agazino, he's going to understand that. And yeah, he had a great year with the San Diego Gulls. He was an assistant captain. What this kind of reminds me of Ross is I would say instead of like a Michael Carcone, this is more of a Paul Carey type move, right? Like that's a guy who he knows he's going to be in between the AHL and NHL. He's got experience. He's very experienced in the AHL. He knows how to work that kind of system. So I, I love this deal. And I think it was a great one by the Sens and the Belleville Senators, they need veteran help. So this worked out great. And, and goal scoring, it helps. Like this guy scored 30 goals at the American Hockey League level. And if you go back to his last full season, so we had to go back to 2018-19 for that, 60 points in 56 yeah, games. Yeah, nice. So, I mean, that just tells you all you need to know. He mixes it up too. He's always around 60 to 80 penalty minutes as well. And he's always been a plus player. So to me, this is this is a great signing. So I'm excited to see Agazino in Belleville, no question. And now it's just, 
what's next. But from minor league moves to the major ones around the National Hockey League, great to see Philip Deneau out of the division with Montreal. He signs a big ticket with the LA Kings. I'm always fascinated with LA, and they're going to have, of course, a little easier time getting free agents to go live in Manhattan Beach than Ottawa, but the rebuilds are almost side-by-side. Now, there's a couple differences. LA hung on to their, what would you call them, signature players with Kopitar and Drew Doughty, whereas Ottawa just shed absolutely everyone. See you later. But I thought that was a pretty interesting move, and we got to talk about the Oilers, Kelsey. We got to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. They signed Zach Hyman to a seven-year contract worth $38.5 million. Now, we knew this one was coming. $5.5 million AAV, but that didn't stop there. They are really trying to rebuild the 2019-2020 Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, the one that didn't even make the playoffs after losing in the qualifying series to Columbus because they re-signed Tyson Berry. And then, if that weren't enough, Pilsy, they went out and gave Cody Cece a four-year contract worth 3.25. I had to do a triple take when I saw that. That is over $10 million for Cody Cece. Uh, <laughs> you can't, I don't know. As sense fans, you can't help but laugh at that. But you got to you got to take it with a grain of salt. He definitely looked like a different player in Pittsburgh last year. But again, that's under a different role. We'll see how the Edmonton Oilers utilize him because if they try to make him that top four right shot defenseman, they're going to find out real quick how that goes. Real quick. Now, I got to give credit to Verata, hockey underscore brunch on Twitter. He said Cody Cece is the Forrest Gump of the NHL. First, he plays with Eric Carlson. Then he plays with Austin Matthews. Then he plays with Sidney Crosby. And now he's going to play with Connor McDavid. Yeah, that's uh, good. Hey, you know what? Good for him. Like, I'm sure Cody Cece is a great guy. It just it didn't work out in Ottawa. Things uh, His projection was too high and he wasn't able to meet it. So they had to move on. But... I don't know if I'm giving Cody CC a long-term deal, that's for sure. And with the Hyman deal, I think the first four years of that deal, worth it. Going to be great. The last three, you're paying for that big time, especially if he has injury concerns. So that's an interesting deal for Edmonton. But, I mean, they got to do something, and they got to shore up everything that they got going on there. I think bringing back Tyson Berry was a great deal for them. Um, So we could see a decent team here, but – Again, they're bringing it back with Mike Smith and a two-year deal. Why give him a two-year deal? I don't understand. I'm glad you touched on goaltending because, and we'll continue our theme of sends abroad and kind of lots of former senators were on the move. Cedric Paquette to Montreal. Shocker that that's where he found a home. But the Buffalo Sabres, tell me you're tanking without telling me you're tanking. They're goalies. They just signed two of them. They lost Linus Allmark. Big contract, by the way. Probably best they stay away from that. Four years at $5 million, the Boston Bruins, which maybe spells the end of Tuka Ras. I know Yarrow Halak also on the move, but they got Jeremy Swayman in the mix there as well. But the Buffalo Sabres are going with a tandem of Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell, both on league minimum contracts. Yeah, that's I, I went to their cap page, a cap friendly page as well, and noticed that, and I was like, okay, we're we're really doing this. And I think yeah. the only way they could have re, uh, been doing this harder is if they signed Martin Jones, who I can't believe <laughs> Philly signed to that contract. But Martin Jones, thank we need to take a second. Thank you, Martin Jones, yes. for Tim Stutzla. Thank you for your service. That you, you single handedly handed us 
an amazing young German superstar. So that's awesome. But going back to Andy, yeah, that's uh, good for well, Andy. The, I, I really last thought last report, year was his last year. Like I thought he was going to be done after Washington. The last report we saw was that he was about to retire. So I'm glad he's coming back. He's eight wins away from 300 in his career. I'm going to be cheering so hard for him to get to that magic Might not number. happen. Yikes. Well, I mean, with the Sabres this past year, maybe not. But we know Andy, he plays the best hockey when a team in front of him can't really do much defensively. So there's that. And then if you're a Sens fan, this is amazing too because it would have been such a shame had the Ottawa fans not had a chance to give him a proper send-off. This guy was everything you could have asked and more. So I need to be in the building. We need to find a way there. January 18th and January 25th, two times in a week, which I don't know if I love that. It would have been nice to spread it out a little bit, but you can expect Anderson to make his return and get the start in Ottawa. Funny enough, the last game I was at, was Craig Anderson against the Buffalo Sabres on uh, on the Jersey retirement night of Chris Phillips. But now, full circle, Craig Anderson, Sense fans are going to make that place explode. The Andy chants are going to be unbelievable. And hopefully, he's already had his 300th win by then because as much as I love Andy, can't be doing that against us. And do you think that would be a good time to do a Ring of Honor thing for Andy when he comes back? Or no. that's after his career? Yeah, not while they're still playing. And I don't think he'd want that if he's getting a start that night. It would probably yeah. be a bit of a distraction. And uh, hey, so maybe that's a, a, a gamesmanship. <laughs> exactly. Hey, yeah, it worked for the Chris Phillips game. No, I mean, Chris Phillips wasn't playing, but the Sens ended up winning that game. So that's all right. Yeah, they scored, I think, four their quickest four goals. That in, was a wild one. In yeah. team history. That yeah. was awesome. Uh, great memories. Can't wait to be back at CTC and for Craig Anderson, yeah, just got to give stick taps because it's awesome. He's just been a great guy. And you can tell, like, that's just passion of the game. Like, you think he needs the money? No chance. But he's willing to go to Buffalo to chase this uh, prestigious honor and milestone in his career. So we really love to see that for Craig Anderson here on a goalie-friendly show. Okay, other senators, former senators on the move. Brian Elliott signs a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning, pushing out another Sens abroad, as I guess Curtis McElhaney will not be back for that. Um, going more recent senators, Ryan Dezingle, a one-year, $1.1 million contract with the Arizona Coyotes. Do you see that as a good fit for him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great deal for both sides. And uh, it's it's so funny. We we saw the the reposting of, remember when the Sens were doing road tripping, those videos? Yes, yes. Yeah, Craig, Craig. Daglia posted exactly. that And his road tripping video was Arizona. So that a, just a funny little fit there. But good for Ryan Dezingle. I think he's going to do well there. He'll have a top six role for sure. So he, he needs the bounce back year. And, I mean, the Arizona Coyotes need – need someone that's not a salary cap dump so that's good good move for them too how about nick felino saying see you later the toronto maple leafs his highlight reel there consists of wearing his dad's hat at a press conference way to give up a first rounder for that one dubis but he goes to boston bruins kind of the worst place if you're a leafs fan right you give up those assets and then he goes to your arch rival a team that just knocks you out of the playoffs every single year he signs a two-year contract there worth 3.8 on the AAV, Pilsy, I've been burying this one, but you think Sens fans have had enough of Mike Hoffman? You're going to see a lot more of him signing with the Montreal Canadiens. What kind of reception do you think he'll get when he comes back to the CTC? 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Oh, the and Boo Birds are going to be out. I'll tell you that for free. Oh, yeah, for sure. And for the Montreal Canadiens, that's an interesting deal because I I, I thought that, um, well, I guess he essentially replaces Philip, Philip Deneau's contract. So Contract, it, yeah, not same type of player. No, 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 no not oh. at all. Yeah, so, so they're going to get some more scoring, which they need, but that up the middle, if you're the Habs, yikes. Like, what? Like, what is your center depth? It's it's terrible. Like, really, you're relying a lot on Cock and Niemi here. So hopefully his sick vision can help you out. Oh, wait, wasn't he a healthy scratch in the Stanley Cup finals? Yeah, I saw that for sure with my vision, although <laughs> not as sick as his. Um, he's going to be joined there by another outcast former senator, Chris Weidman. And for him, it's all about stick taps because getting back to the NHL was a long road from calling shotgun. And I think we talked about him in yesterday's show as well. So we don't need to sit too long about that we touched on Cedric Paquette as well and um I think that's everything for former senators oh Mike Riley re-signed as well with the Boston Bruins so um with all that I think the biggest contract in terms of total value no question it was Braden Point re-signing with the Tampa Bay Lightning and he wasn't an even a free agent he had one year left before that but Tampa is just such they're they're the class organization of of how to treat your players and they don't wait until you're an RFA or a UFA. They go out and extend their players beforehand. And he gets a cap hit of $9.5 million, which is still less than Mitch Marner. So figure that one out. I'll, I'll dare you to try. But credit to him, man. That's an unreal contract for a great player. Yeah, well, I think uh, thing to I love ragging on Mitch Marner too, but I think to point out is the tax-free state. That's probably Mitch Marner contract uh, if you, if you don't have the tax-free state. But great signing by the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's a guy you got to keep in your system for sure. They they lost out on Coleman and Gaudreau, but man, there was no way Tampa was touching the contracts those two guys got. Woo! Oh man, yeah. Can we talk about that right before we move on? That uh, Blake Coleman, great player though, like really a good player. But six years at five point nine million—that's a lot of money. And I, I do feel like Calgary is a great fit for him as well. Yeah, I think it'd be a good fit. But yeah, if if I'm looking at Zach Hyman and Blake Coleman, I'll take Zach Hyman's deal over that for sure. How much extra value do you think a player gets on their contract just for being a part of a back-to-back Stanley Cup champion? A lot of value because not only does that show, like, obviously you're a good player to stick in that Tampa Bay roster. Just, and just score have, big goals. Yeah, just to have a roster spot there shows one thing. So that's that's big, although it didn't, didn't uh, translate with Cedric Paquette like I thought it might have, but he only won the one cup, so not back-to-back. But the, these guys, the thing with me, Ross, is – they're going to have an elevated role. They were such good third-line players for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But Coleman's got, probably going to be a top-six guy in Calgary. The How's whole third line's go? gone. The yeah. whole third line's gone. Yeah, true. Yeah, they're going to have to rebuild from that. But they have some nice prospects coming up that I think will do all yeah, right. But No question. Which one of those three guys do you think has the best season? I know Gord is, is out for a little bit with surgery, but who do you think will make the biggest impact in their new role? We've got... Blake Coleman, going to play top six. You got to think with that contract in Calgary. You got Barkley Goodrow, who also signed for six years, but down a little bit at 3.9. Or Yanni Gord, who I believe right now on the depth chart has to be the number one center for the Seattle Kraken. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought up the Kraken because they were my winners of the free agency day. Like they made some good deals. Grubauer. 
I I think it's a good deal. I think people are down on Grubauer just because he he wasn't able to perform at the top level in the playoffs. But I, I think that's a good signing. If you're Colorado, I bet you wish you had Grubauer over one year of Darcy Kemper. That's definitely some more stability. And then you talked about the centerman. They got Alex Wemberg, too, at a really nice deal. Three years, four and a half mil. And then I'm a big fan of Jaden Schwartz. I think he plays that kind of Zach Hyman type role. And they got him at a decent contract. So I like what the Seattle Kraken did there. And to answer your other question, I think Yanni Gord will have the biggest impact on his team. Yes, he's injured. And he's probably not going to come till mid late November, but he's going to be a big impact on that Seattle Kraken team. Or maybe wait until April, like one of his other former teammates <laughs> who was hurt. I kid, I kid. But what you can do, you can bet that when Yanni Gore gets into the lineup, he's going to make a huge impact. And I'll be betting on the Seattle Kraken when he does. And I'm going to go to bet online to do that. The number one sports book here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the one place that has you covered, the only place we trust when it comes to our sports wagering. Now, here's how you go about getting our unbelievable 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag on either your mobile browser or desktop. And then when you sign up for a free account and make your first deposit, use our promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. You can bet on everything. They've got Olympics there. You can mix it up, have some fun. The key is that you're in the action because you don't want to sit on the sidelines. We want you in the action and why not get into the action even more with a 50% welcome bonus. So when you sign up, don't forget that promo code locked on. And if you put in $200, a hundred dollars will be right in your account. If you put in a hundred, that's 50 free play dollars right there for you. It's bet online, your online sports book expert. All right, Pilsy, we've touched on the Ottawa Senators acquiring Nick Holden and Michael Delzato, Andrew Agazino, and extending head coach DJ Smith on the way out the door. It's Evgeny Dad. Now, I forgot to mention the third-round pick coming back as well. That draft capital just keeps on climbing. That's now six picks right now in the first three rounds of the 2022 NHL draft. But the Sens are going to make so many moves before then. And I got to think some of those picks – should be in play. Now, what's next for the Ottawa Senators? Who do you think they'll target on day two of free agency and beyond? I I would love to sit here and take guesses, but like we just talked about earlier, I think we have no idea what the Senators are going to do. And there's deals that were like, oh yeah, we like this player. That would make sense. I bet the Sens aren't even looking at that guy. <laughs> like they're looking at a totally different radar than we are. And hey, I mean, they're, they're the pros. So we'll, we'll take what they're doing. But as far as all those draft pick goes, Ross, I'm looking at cap friendly right now. Like you said, six picks in the first three rounds. I hope they move three of those picks in order to gain NHL roster talent because I, I'm done with the rebuild. I don't want another draft where we're excited about the draft because the Sens have a high pick and, and they have six picks in the first three rounds. That needs to be over. Like they, they need to move on from that. And that's why I was kind of disappointed with the Dadanov move because it, it sends all the wrong signs of what this team's trying to do. Now, I know it's in, in anticipation of another move, but until that move happens, 
I, I'm left a little uh, confused as to what the Sens are going to do, and I don't really know what direction they're going to go. I think the Ryan Strom direction is there's still some potential there, and I would be interested in that if it comes with an extension or at least there's interest in an extension. So I would say Ryan Strom is probably the top guy to look at right now if we're looking at targets. Oh, I just think the cost is going to be too high to acquire him for only one year. Yeah. That's, I that's mean, a- if, if they did something similar to the Stepan deal where you put a second round pick and then obviously they'd have to add something to that. Uh, Strom's value is a little higher than Stepan, that's for sure. But a second round pick as the base and then maybe a prospect in there as well. And I, I think that could be something that gets it done. Maybe Chris Tierney too, because the Rangers will probably want a NHL uh, roster player to go along with that. So I, I, I'm interested in Ryan Strom, but yeah, the price is going to be very, very intriguing to see what they'll have to give up. Lots of discourse on Twitter about Jack Eichel and the Bob McKenzie reported that th- there's nothing to report. He said talks are eerily quiet. Does that mean maybe a dark horse team could sneak in there like the Ottawa Senators and make an offer? I don't think so. Uh, I don't I don't see Jack Eichel waving his no move, no trade clause to come to Ottawa. It's the U sends a like he's definitely got to think about that aspect of it. He can come play with all his boys. Yeah, I don't think that's much leverage. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Ross. Uh, no offense, but I think Jack Eichel's he's he's done with trying to turn a rebuilding team into con- into a contender. Like the only thing I see is he's going to go to big markets. He's going to go to contending teams, and it's going to take a lot to acquire him. Like if you're the Buffalo Sabers, this will arguably be the biggest move you do of the last two decades. It's like, their Eric Carlson trade. Yeah, exactly. Like this is the biggest thing you're going to do and you need to do it right. Even if you got to wait it out. And even if you think your options are dwindling and stuff like that, someone is going to pay the correct price for Jack Eichel. And I can't wait to see who it is, but I, I have no hopes, no inclinations that it's going to be Ottawa. I'm sorry to, to rain on the parade guys, but it's just not going to happen. And I, I don't know if it's the right move for the Sens either, because they they have to see where they're at before you go big fish hunting like that. I'm going to continue my parade, hoping and praying for David Krejci as the guy, because unlike Jack Eichel and unlike Ryan Strom, you don't have to give up any assets for him. And the Senators have $32 million in cap space. That should be asset enough to find the types of players that you need to complete the roster. And what do you think this extra cap space means for Brady Kachuk, for Drake Batherson, to a lesser extent, Gustafson and Mete, who also need contracts? But Ottawa has to do something, man. You have so much cap. Like they're like $15 million away from the floor. Like they can't stand Pat right now. They need to get going and give us something to talk about. Let's go. Yeah, uh, well, they they did a good job of that yesterday. A yeah, trade, fair. a signing, an extension. So we'll get we'll cut them some slack there. But as as far as what they're gonna do next, I think before they do anything big, they gotta get that Brady Kachuk contract signed. Everything yeah. trickles down from there, right? Everything you're gonna see the whole picture of your future. Once you've got Brady Kachuk signed to whatever amount of years at whatever dollar amount, it doesn't even matter anymore. The Senators no, have, matter. they don't have any forwards making more than 4.75 million. That's absolutely insane. That's insane. There's teams who have five players making 5 million or more up front. For them to have, Thomas Shabbat is the only guy who makes more than Colin White on this team right now. Let that sink in. 
Brady could chuck, just give him whatever he wants, sign the ticket. Who cares? Yeah, honestly, I don't care what the years are. I don't care what the dollar amount is. All that matters is single Brady digits Kachuk. would be nice, though, especially asking Braden Point go for 9.5. But I again, can, you got to look at the I tax know. situation. But also, uh, I don't care. Like, if they sign Brady Kachuk to a year that has 10 million AAV, that's not good. But you need Brady Kachuk on your team. So I honestly don't care. Like, whatever it takes to bring him back. And if you can get him long term, do it. Yeah, put that C right where it belongs over his heart as he is the heart and soul of this Ottawa Senators team. Hopefully we get some news today, but not too quick as we're recording here. It's just after 10 a.m. right now, and we know this is the silly season where things change in an absolute hurry. So we'll be back here. You can follow us on Twitter at Send Central. Please consider subscribing to the podcast wherever you get yours. If you don't mind writing us a five-star review, those do go a long way. If you have any questions for us, you can do a five-star review and ask that. We'll be sure to answer or you can DM us on Twitter as well. You can follow us on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. We've been making our little Locked On Now videos when things unfold. We're really enjoying doing that and appreciate the interaction that we're getting from Sens fans because you truly are the best. We're just hoping that we can make it just a little bit better to be a Sens fan here. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.